Grace, excuse me, grace, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, uh, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I don't know a whole lot of pastors that actually preach on the Old Testament, but that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to preach on the Old Testament text for today uh, because it is um, very interesting. It's a different kind of book, Jonah is, right? Because Jonah is a different kind of prophet. I don't know if you studied Jonah much at all. Um, Jonah, just as some history, you probably already know the story, right? He's told to go and proclaim God's word to a foreign land that does not believe and Unlike really all the other prophets that we see that are in the Bible, he says, no, not going to do it, not going to do it. And so he goes and he tries to run away. And it's just a, it's a book full of irony because he's running away, he's on a ship, and uh, God, who controls the seas, is not happy and makes the sea toss and everything like that. And then they come to him and they say, Who are you? Pray to the God that you believe. And he says, I am a Hebrew. I I fear the Lord. I fear the God. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land, although I'm trying to escape on the sea for some reason. It's just kind of funny, right? Jonah makes all these excuses why he can't go. And then he gets thrown overboard and he gets swallowed by a great fish. And then he gets spit up onto dry land after three days. And then it says in the third chapter, which is our text for today, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, right? It's the only time that a prophet has the word of the Lord come to him twice. All the other ones, they may protest at first a little bit to say, oh Lord, I'm, I'm not capable of this grand task. But eventually they say, well, Lord, here I am, send me, right? Just like Isaiah says. Uh, but Jonah runs He tries to flee, and he's shown that he can't do that, so he finally just says, okay, all right, sounds good to me. You win, Lord, right? But it's because he goes that something happens, something wonderful happens. And this is kind of playing off of last week when I said that, uh, when I used the text of John's gospel, where um, the disciples where, where Philip simply says to, 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 to Nathaniel, come and see, right? Come and see Jesus. Come and see who he is. After he'd already said, we have found the Messiah. When he says, I don't know if I believe you, he says, well, come and see, right? Well, I got a question last week at the sermon discussion that said, is it really that easy? It was basically, is it really that easy? Is that really that easy? Or is that enough, right? And that's a common question. That's okay to ask. Is that enough to just say, come and see, come with me to church? Well, the reason why I want to focus on Jonah so much is because we look here and you see that Jonah gets to Nineveh and we don't have a whole lot of what he says. All we have is that he walks through on the first day's walk, 
And he cries out and he says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Doesn't that just warm the cockles of your hearts? That's just a wonderful preaching message, right? But from that message comes repentance and faith. Now, Jonah is a tough book for a lot of people, especially Christians that are more on the liberal side of the spectrum, because this is kind of the litmus test. People will say, you know, you know it's like, uh, um, it's one of those things, it's like, if you ask someone, did Jonah really get swallowed by the fish? People who are Christians, but maybe on the liberal side of things might say, well, it's just a nice story, right? It's just a story, it's a myth of some kind, or they may not even go that far. They may say it's a metaphor to teach us something. But for us Christians, we say, well, no, yeah, he did. Because if you can't believe that Jonah got swallowed by a fish and survived three days and got spit out on land, you won't believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead after three days, right? And so the thing is that if you can believe that Jonah got swallowed by the fish, the next hurdle is to believe that God can actually change the hearts of an entire city with just a few words that say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God can take that simple proclamation, that simple proclamation, and turn it for good? It just goes to show you that God's word really does set out what it set out to accomplish what it wills, right? That it does not come back to him void, right? This should be the encouragement that we all need to say, you know, I'm not the best with words. I'm not the best with thinking things out and putting together the string of arguments to say, you know, why someone should believe in Jesus. Maybe I should just tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in Jesus, right? That is what Jesus says, right? And that's what John the Baptist said. And it was good enough for those who followed after Christ, right? He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is here. It is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now that word repent, it's a very interesting word. Because that is what God desires for all sinners. He desires for us to turn away from sin and turn towards him and trust in him and not anything else. And in Christian circles, the question is, who repents first, right? Who does the first work? Well, we know from God's word that it is God who does the work in the word that is preached, right? The Ninevites would not have known to repent unless Jonah had come to preach the word. That's why Paul says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing that word of of Christ. But you read this and you say, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I don't really see Jesus there, right? We being good Lutherans know the difference between law and gospel. We're saying, wait, 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 wait. Where's the gospel? Where's the gospel in this? Is this just law? 
Well, it's interesting. If you look closer at the text in the Hebrew, that word for destroyed or be overthrown, it can also mean to be changed, to be turned, right? And it's in the passive sense that yet in 40 days, this great city, this great place shall be changed. Not according to what it would do, but according to what God would do, right? So whether you repent or not, change is coming, right? It's a, maybe a harsh way, not so sensitive way of saying repent or perish, right? Repent or you will be destroyed. And for some reason, we can't really tell, just like with anything else when the word is preached, we can't really tell why this works or how exactly this works, but it does. God does the work. God does what he says he will do. And in this simple proclamation, we see the people of the people of 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 excuse me. The people of Nineveh believed God. They believed in what he was saying. They believed him. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And then the word came to the king and he declared a great fast. And God saw their works, right? But what really does God care about? Does he care about the works or does he care about the faith? They would not have done what they did unless they believed God's word, right? Now, you may be saying, well, pastor, how can you know that they all really believed? Because Jesus says so, right? He says in uh, Matthew 12 and in Luke 11 that in the day of judgment, the men of, of Nineveh will rise up and proclaim judgment against those who don't believe in God because they heard the preaching of Jonah and believed and repented. And Jesus says, but one who is greater than Jonah is here now. That's Jesus, right? God calls us to be faithful in the proclamation of his word. God calls us to proclaim his truth wherever we go, to confess it, to be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. And this is comfort to know you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to be extremely persuasive. Even Paul, one of the greatest missionaries in the church's history, simply said at the beginning of 1 Corinthians that, when I came amongst you, I, des I, I desired to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech or or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the message. 
That's the message we must bear. To live the life that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified for my sin. And I want you to believe this too. I want you to receive the benefits of these things. So when we are called to be faithful, we are called to confess. We are called to believe and confess what God has said about us and about this world. Our proclamation of the world is no different from Jonah's. We are calling the world to to turn away from sin, to believe in God, or else face the harsh judgment that he has in store. To trust in Jesus and escape that punishment. To trust in Christ and the blood that is shed for you, for all people, so that you might be saved and escape the day of wrath. Who knows if those who hear it will believe? Who knows what may happen from that simple word of proclamation? Who knows what may happen when you simply even say, God bless you, right? God's blessings be with you today. Or to say, um, you know, (laughs) to those that you are near, to those that you know well, and you feel comfortable even saying it, You know, it's great to know that Jesus Christ has died for my sins, right? Does that sound weird? (laughs) Honestly, as a pastor, it sounds kind of weird for me saying it outside of the context of church. But that's what the world wants us to believe, that it's strange. And yeah, Christians are a little strange, right? We are a little strange. We believe that there was a man, truly God and truly man, that came and lived and died and rose from the dead, and is the savior of the world. That's okay. I don't mind being strange about that. I don't mind being weird for the sake of Christ. I don't mind because all of those things matter, right? All of those things are important for salvation. It's worth the risk to be weird. It's worth the risk to proclaim the word of God. It's worth the risk because, again, who knows if those who hear God's word of faith, God's word of salvation, will believe. It's worth the risk, and those who would be changed by God's word are worth that risk. So as you go forth from here, know that Jesus is surely with you in proclaiming His truth. Remember that one greater than Jonah is here with you and he abides and he abides with you wherever you go because you trust in him. He is greater and he will surely do the work that is set before you through you. So as we are called to to repent and believe we ask, this other, we ask the same for all those who, don't, who do not yet trust in Christ. God will bless your faithful uh, attempts to tell people to come and see. He will bless it. And he will bless even the times that are even harder to say to someone, you need to repent and believe in Christ. 
And again, if you can't quite bring yourself to say those words, repent and believe in Christ, bring them on here. I'll tell them. That's fine with me. I'll tell them about it. That's my job. But I hope that those that really need to know it in your life, you would pray that God would give you the strength to do so, to trust in him, that he would guide you and be with you in that proclamation of his truth. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guide your hearts, excuse me, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.